And we're back, and I'm once again with my friend Erin from New Zealand, and she is enjoying much better weather than we are here, even though I'm still in summer. And you are right now doing what? We are just officially entering spring, but it's been sort of in the mid-high teens now for most of a couple of weeks, with the exception of when we get a good rainy day. So this morning we had buckets of rain, and now it's 17, maybe 18 degrees out at 5 p.m. So we're doing, we're doing okay. Ah, a dream of spring, a book we'll never get to read. <laughs> True story. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a podcast by two people from The Ringer, uh, Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, a.k.a. The, Ma- the Maester, uh, they're rewatching every single episode, or they did already uh, before season seven started. And they go through in quite some detail. Uh, they do sort of very spoilery reviews that take you all the way up to, for the ones from season one to six, what you know all the way up to those seasons, as well as the books. So they will, if something happens in season one, mention things that we know from future seasons. So you have to be at least caught up to last season I'll listen to the ones before season seven but they're so good and they're in such detail and they're truly enthusiastic and it's one of those things where you can hear two people who were work friends become better friends while they're listening to this like 60 hours of television over again together that's fine um on talking with Chris Hardwick Neil deGrasse Tyson just explained how winter can be coming and be extraordinarily long based on the gravitational pull of the universe. So I found that to be fantastic and magical in my head as well. Because Neil deGrasse Tyson just said that that was doable. Why are you making me excited for real life Snowpiercer now? I don't want to, I don't want to live on that train. I don't want to live on that train. Now, his numbers were really big, though. It was like every 180,000 years, the Earth would have a wobble that matched up with something that would be like this. But it was pretty cool. I love it when somebody like that validates a sci-fi pop culture theory for me. The long night is coming. Genuinely. In the words of Jon Snow, father always promised. You did. Yeah. God. Be prepared. Kit Harrington started off that show cute and somehow got very handsome. And I struggle sometimes to focus when they allow his character his, you know, one smile a season because he's just so adorable when he smiles because, like, his character never gets to. He's always, you know, brooding, gloomy getting murdered, whatnot. But yeah, he's real cute when he smiles. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed some of the, maybe it was a BuzzFeed of him playing all of the characters. Ooh. That was quite enjoyable, including like a fantastic bad blonde wig and glass of red wine as Cersei. Uh, so just, you know, if you need to have a good quality him smiling and being charming rather than brooding and, you know, being murdered. That is a really <laughs> lovely, lovely, I don't know. It was entertaining in a way that you couldn't stop watching, even though you knew it was absolute whipped cream entertainment. 
Well, I may have to put that on uh, my new bookmark folders uh, called self-care links so that I can hit that. I'm looking for the perfect supercut of Jon Snow smiles as well on YouTube. So if you find one, feel free to shoot that along, listener, which normally when I'm talking to a listener, I feel like I'm talking to you. So other listener, if you uh, see a list of Jon Snow smiles, feel free to share them with me either through the internets or smoke signals or some other way. And then I can have that under self-care links on days when the real world's just too real. Well, I think that there should be a trending hashtag of self-care links on Twitter right now, because I think we could all use a little bit more John Snow smiling supercuts yeah. in our, or whatever it is, smiling supercuts that makes your day happy. I still love a good quality puppy. You know what? The the joke account for Tiff Escalator, that uh, mystery individual or individual started last year when the Scotiabank Escalator was busted. Today, they had a post, and I forget even what it said. It was just a one-liner, like, getting ready. And it had a bunch of adorable puppies trying to climb upstairs. See? Yeah. That, and I mean, the one recommendation I would make for everybody for their self-care links would be the Kitten Academy live stream. So, so speaking of stairs, and any recommendations as a woman who likes to, you know, break her leg doing roller derby, what would you recommend for me when my ankle's feeling a bit iffy? And as we can see from my schedule, I have very many movies at the Scotiabank, which is a building that has 75 stairs. I know that because of all of the articles where people are actually referencing, you know, real world journalists talking with some trepidation about the TIFF escalator and what happens when it's broken. Not if, but when. Well, the thing about escalators is they are worse than stairs when they're broken because they are taller and on a funnier angle. But I would say it's probably a responsible thing to do to buddy up with some sports tape. And do some some sports taping on yourself. Comes in fun, sporty colors. Uh, but tape yourself in, and then a nice boot with some su- some support um, and a good sock will be your friend in that in that way. Because uh-huh. then you need because that extra support to climb. It really is amazing what a couple of layers of sports tape can do. All right, and oh, so like the new well. So the new fun, like colored sports tapes that they have. Yeah. All right. Go for a, go for a wide one, and I do suggest finding a YouTube video on how to tape yourself, because there is a fine balance between um, giving yourself support and cutting off all circulation and turning your toes blue. I'm so looking forward to the Google searches taking me down some weird paths. Yeah. I mean, what you do in your self-care links is up to you. How to tape yourself. I'm sure nothing weird will come up at all. Uh, Reminder, listeners, this is not a G-rated podcast. (laughs) If you feel the need to listen to this in a car with children, possibly this is not the episode for you. Yeah, you and I are going to get rough, I'm sure. I, I know that in the... In the not-too-distant future, we will talk about the current spiral of Sears. Uh, There hasn't been a lot of news about them lately. It's just been sort of, you know, quiet, sad announcements. And 
the odd think piece about how the workers could have been possibly protected by laws. But uh, yeah, I'm still pretty bummed out. And also, as a, a vulture type shopper, was also hoping for some better deals, but I didn't see a lot of good stuff on sale yet when I was checking out the site. Hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking this of hard work, the- we're going to get into uh, the not end, but sort of the middle part of my schedule in a little more detail. Uh, because in theory, uh, I'll already have posted uh episode with Jay where I barely get past the first day because I just start talking about Grace Jones and the documentary and how I legit still don't know what I'm going to wear uh, to that movie because I'm going out with a couple of friends who are fairly fashionable. Plus, it's a documentary about Grace Jones. And then the next day, it's the Andre Leon Talley. So I feel like I'm really going to blow my load in terms of uh, my looks in the first couple days. Uh, so I didn't really get into what's happening starting on Monday, September 11th, which is always uh, a weird day during TIFF. Uh, in the past, and I don't know if they'll be doing it again this year, they've done a moment of silence because obviously uh, the first, the well, not the first, but the September 11th, everyone remembers that was during the festival and it was a time where there were a lot of people from out of town here and you know it was no there was no come from away type musical about the way people were in Toronto but definitely I know that a lot of people who were here uh, felt a lot of support from not just people in Toronto but other people from around the world that were here so it's always it's one of those days on the festival where especially for people who been going for a long time you have those moments where you you know remember uh, what happened and you know if you had been attending that year uh, what was going on. So uh, it's usually uh, a day that has a bit of gravitas to it, or it starts off that way. If they have the moment of silence, they used to do, or they sometimes have a different opener before the movies that day. But uh, I'm not sure what they'll be doing this year. We'll see. There's a lot of changes going on. But I'll be starting off that day with uh, Idris and Kate Winslet, and the mountain between us. Now, what I think is really fascinating about this day is this is one of your kind of banner four movie days um, that shows that you are an icon and dedicated to screening and film. Um, And it's your second one. So you really, I mean, despite the logic of blow your load, it is your second one in as many as four days. So I think it's important to look at what you've already done to abuse yourself by then and how you should probably be really planning on flat shoes and sustainable hydration and possibly electrolyte replacement by this point. Because I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the gaps you have between the movies. And I mean, you're not a rookie at this. And I think a lot of people could learn from your schedule and you're sharing your schedule on the interwebs. Uh, I think I'll share my schedule with uh, the J post. So yeah. And I I did tweet an image of it already. So those listeners who are TIFF rookies and who would like to see sort of 30 movies in nine days. Terrible idea. I think look at what what it is that Petula does. Because for the most part, she does give herself a couple of things that are really important. One is transit time. Because while most of the theaters are in quite a, a reasonable walking distance, sort of under three kilometer walking distance, 
They're not necessarily well serviced by transit. So while you think you can get a streetcar, you probably won't. And they're not entirely well serviced in terms of clean above ground toilets. So you could lose an entire gap between films trying to wait in a queue just to go to the loo before your next film. So I think if you're going to try and squeeze four movies into a day, especially starting with interest, um, you're probably going to need to, I would say, pace yourself. But this day is not a pace yourself day. This is the better part of seven, almost eight hours of film. So uh, you do have a, an almost suicidal 8.52 to 9.30 spin around between Scotiabank and the Elgin. Oh, yeah. Which not far, but far. Yes, that that's my only mistake. That one is somewhat on purpose. Um, so what happened was uh, that is going to be my only uh, premiere screening. You know, I normally don't do those, but that is the first screening of Shape of Water. So I bought those tickets to go with Mary, uh, my friend who actually worked as an assistant editor on that one. And I originally had a ticket for the second screening, which was the next day at three, a much more reasonable time. So yeah, I did have a much better flow from that Monday to Tuesday and instead I deliberately ruined it. I made a choice. We'll see what happens. And the one good thing is um, Elgin is not one of the two theaters that has assigned seating. Uh, So Mary will be at least waiting for me and saving a single seat. So is assigned seating a real thing for TIFF this year? It is going to be for Roy Thompson Hall and for Princess of Wales. And I anticipate uh, Fire and Blood. Yeah, because there's going to be people who know about it. There's going to be people who don't know about it because last year was the first year that we had numbers on the seats because a, a ticket master, I don't know if it's a defect bug feature or something that they couldn't um, get a workaround for before the festival. So every seat has a seat number on it for those seat those theaters, but um, there was no assigned seating last year. So they just told people, uh, so you'd have people kind of walking up to your seat and saying, this is mine. And then you have like weird interactions with volunteers, having to explain to them, no, the seat numbers don't mean anything. So last year, there was a lot of confusion. So having assigned seats be an actual thing at only two theaters is going to be insane. I'm looking forward to, yeah, basically fire and blood. I'm sure there'll be at least uh, one or two uh, videos and or tweets of people getting perhaps irate and I'm hoping that at least they have the good sense to uh, save some extra seats or have an extra reserved row uh, for handling overflow from seat related disputes that are caused by confusion or areas where you know if I get to the theater late and not late late but you know close to the 15-20 minutes and I see somebody you know, who just looks like, I'm not even going to say older or with mobility issues, but somebody who just looks like they've had a day. I don't want to have to kick that person out of their seat because they just didn't know that they're doing something weird this year. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. Or even if you want to, you know, make a switch, I guess if you're just making a switch with a neighbor because you feel bad because they're sitting beside somebody who's around the size of the mountain who rides, uh, like, there's this could go wrong in so many ways like you can't if you get your tickets at a different time from friends you can't sit with them yeah it's it's messy i like assigned seating i think that 
you know, the Roy Thompson Hall of it all, of a theater where people are expected to be in a science seating, I think is easier. What I have noticed here is that all, almost all theaters, regardless of what you're seeing, have a science seating. And I've come to really like it. I like to know where I'm going. I like to be able to find the person that I'm seeing a film with if I'm coming in at a different time or have to use the loo or any of those things. So that's just me, though. And the other thing that would drive your fellow crazy, because I know he likes to map out the exact right spot based on sound and whatever, doesn't matter if you were a member and purchased early or a non-member and purchased late. You weren't able to pick. Maybe for the people who bought single tickets from Ticketmaster, they were. But for the members fulfilling packages, it just gave you whatever it thinks best available is. Yeah, and that's always based on generic, not necessarily based on the type of film you're seeing. Because for a action film versus a drama, I might need, I might look for different placement. And yes, my partner is an absolute crazy person about sound quality. And does, I mean, if you get seats that he's chosen, I think you've experienced this a couple of times. Oh my God, it was amazing. When he chooses seats, they are the best seats in the theater for whatever it is specifically you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. It was, was it one of the potters or something else where you guys can go and I had your seats and it was, oh, it was lovely. I just felt wrapped up in sound. Yeah, yeah. Except I have noticed in our home setup, he's now started to just move to the center of the couch because that's where the best sound positioning is regardless of who else might be in our house oh so he's sheldon so, coopering you he's absolutely sheldon coopering me but will squeeze me out of my say half of the sofa if it's just the two of us because he will move himself directly into the center that's awesome yeah yeah he's turned into a sheldon cooper cat who dis regards anyone else's needs but his own so if you were gonna reposition everything by an inch in one direction one day like so it's not super noticeable to the naked eye but it might drive his ear crazy would that be a bad thing i think it would be entertaining yeah i don't know just now the projector is mounted and the screen is mounted which would mean I would just be messing with the sofa and the surround sound speakers, which would probably he'd catch faster because everything is centered on the screen. Uh, but it might be a fun yeah, like psychological an, project. Yeah, like an inch. Yeah, and he may just be out of sorts and irritable and not know why. Excellent. Yeah, sorry. Not sorry. Looking forward to the results. Hoping to not read about a weird dispute in the international news that results in Hulk levels of violence because of this. If not, it'll be super funny. Yeah. No, I think I think knowing his temperament, it would probably be some sort of a strange passive aggressive blame it on the cat for shifting couch cushions or something before he were to think that it was sabotage of his sound experience. So I just realized um, the Idris and Winslet movie is about a plane crash and I'm watching it on September 11th. So, you know, listener, sometimes I, for all of the planning and research or pre-search, as I like to call it in the case of TIFF that I do, I still make mistakes. 
I mean, you know, nothing will ever be the 9 a.m. three-hour abortion documentary, but there are some years Again. Where... <laughs> you learned that lesson once. Yes. Yeah. It was a great movie. Keep that lesson, I believe, is the pledge you must make to your listening. Yeah. I'm just thinking perhaps this movie, not the best choice. Well, this is, I mean, full stop. This is a relatively cup half empty day uh-huh. because you have kind of heavy drama content not being broken up by a lot of fluff. Um, and you have, yeah, you have weighted yourself pretty heavily. And given the, the window of time between your second and third film, you will also probably ply yourself with liquor mm-hmm. somewhere at King, probably King West somewhere. Yeah. If there's ever a day that I'll be really uh, dipping into that uh, three ounce uh, flask that fits in my bra, this is the day. Yeah. Like this is a, this might end up being a, like a $2 beers at wide open sort of midday break. Yeah, and the fact that I don't have anything until 6 the next day. Yeah, if there's a night that I'm going to be out at one of the bars that's open till 4 a.m., I think this will be it. Because, you know, I build, my schedule sort of builds each day. This is uh, one of the last, the last four-movie day. And then it goes down to something more reasonable with nice big breaks. So, yeah, this one's going to hurt. But I think I'll have that adrenaline rush after uh, Shape of Water. I've heard so many good things. I was sitting next to some women who had uh, been, I think, in an advanced screening. I don't know if it was for media or staff. They started to talk about it, so I put my headphones in. Uh, but, uh, and I don't want to spoil it, but what they said was pretty hilarious. So remind me in a couple of weeks uh, to tell you why what they said was very profane but made me actually want to see it more. Although uh, they were quoting a friend who was the only person they knew who didn't enjoy it uh, when they gave that person's feedback on why they uh, thought they were getting one thing. But like with many Guillermo movies, uh, instead he gives you, you know, creepy hand eyes. You know, sometimes that's, you, you gotta let the, you gotta let the film happen. Uh, I was listening to, something recently and they were talking about how movies can wash over you and I think that the way you expressed it was this this is your opportunity to to feel all the feels I think you're gonna feel enough dark feels this day that you know this the the following day with the later start might be the sleep in late um feed yourself a smoothie and uh go to the films in your pajamas the following day, day. You know, that's the, you won't be wearing contacts. You'll be wearing your glasses. You'll be wearing flat shoes. You will have moved from looking fashionable in lineups to being comfortable with the most sensible backpack full of replenishment snacks you possibly can. Oh, I know what I'm going to be wearing that day. Did I send you a picture of the t-shirts I got at Fan Expo? You did, yes. Yeah, so on that day, when I start with Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman, you you damn well better believe I'll be wearing one of my new Wonder Woman t-shirts. As you do. 
Yeah, yeah. So that one has Luke Evans uh, and Rebecca Hall and Bella Heathcote. And it's a biopic of the American psychologist who put his progressive ideas about female liberation into practice by creating the DC superhero Wonder Woman and living in an, quotes, extended relationship with his wife and another woman. Well, I think we could all use a little bit more progressive ideals. Yeah. So, plus, returning to what both of us believe to be true, you can't have too many superheroes or things to aspire to and magic in your life. So I'm just hoping that there's some sort of rope sex at some point, but yeah. However, you do go from that into Black Cop. Yeah. Yeah. So you will be going from, you know, cup half full to possibly there is no cup. Yeah, it that one's going to be right back into it. It's uh, Canadian. Uh, the director is Montreal-born, Nova Scotia-raised. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, the director is also best known for his role as Corey in Trailer Park Boys. Fantastic. And it's only 14A, so it might not be as dark. But I think the the message might be quite dark i don't know i feel like compared to the real world right now it's not gonna be that bad that's kind of the great and terrible thing and i wonder if it's weird they keep talking about the terrible box office numbers and on one hand i feel like maybe movies aren't enough of an escape right now for people to want to leave the safety of their netflix binge to go out and watch a film when it seems like there's just so much crazy going on outside their door. Well, I was actually reading a study the other day to kind of delve into the other side of it. And they were talking about how the now Generation Z, which is the sub-millennials generation, are the safest generation that we've ever had of children since before the 1900s started. So in sort of the, the, or the, the late 1900s, um, so 1890 was the last year children were so safe. Um, and we have to take into account that they were dying in, um, of regular treatable diseases and bacteria on a regular basis and doing things like um, using actual sides on farms at that time in their life. But children are so safe because they don't leave their houses, but they're more depressed and sadder and more emotionally unstable than they've ever been. Which lends you to think that maybe just going outside and playing and dealing with some bullies in real life is probably easier than what's going on on the internet and the availability of information that we can access of badness. I don't remember as a teenager knowing about all of the hurricanes happening around the planet and tsunamis and things like just basic natural disasters that did occur then. I don't remember knowing about them. And now you can track them in real time. Yeah, or even if you knew, you didn't see pictures or videos right away. Or, you know, find about airlines increasing flights to $3,000 for like the last flight out of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just so many reasons to be, you know, enraged or sad right now. 
And to have data and images and BuzzFeed listicles to, you know, turn it up to 11. Yeah, nothing like a gloomy infographic to remind <laughs> you why the world isn't a better place than it used to be. Uh, sort of makes you yearn for the simpler times. And I think, I know this is going to sound strange, but I think this is why so much of the content we're loving is in a time that doesn't exist, that is in a different time continuum than ours. Right? The more space you give me, the more Wonder Woman you give me, the more GOT you give me, that all exists in a life without cyberbullying and virtual status updates from across the world, the more I'm engaging with that content. Yeah. And back to GOT, I just noticed that uh, Kieran Hines is in, I think he's in the 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 Woman Walks Ahead movie. So I know how much he's in it because he's not top build. It's, you know, top build is Michael Gray as a sitting bull and the Chastain as uh, the titular woman who walks ahead. But yeah, the King Bee on the Wall, who we saw so precious little of in the show, but great actor. So looking forward to that. Um, I'm hoping he I comes. I enjoyed it very much, honestly. Yeah, he was great. He was one of those, that show did such a great job of bringing in really heavy hitters to have, you know, no more than a handful of lines and then just, you know, ship them off to uh, to use a book line from Tyrion, wherever whores go. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, you throw in like a Kieran Hines and a Jonathan Price and a McShane, just, just like Saffron. And they make whatever season that they briefly appear in even more memorable. But I think that's the the thing that is compelling about a talented actor in anything is that when you bring somebody awesome in and they just slide across, steal two scenes and move back out, it just leaves you with this fondness of memory, like ice cream on a sunny day. You just know that they were there for a moment and it was just a passing dalliance, like a, a scandalous affair. They just made something that you remembered as good already just a little bit better. Well, while that day, uh, the 11th, does look like it's going to be a bit grueling and possibly a bummer, and if I did have the talent to make my own customized gloomy infographics, it'd be interesting to do an infographic of what percentage of movies I cry in, because I cry a lot during TIFF. Uh, I am happy for the kind of diversity checkboxes that I can uh, knock off for that day. Uh, I have a lady director for Woman Walks Ahead. Uh, for Don't Talk to Irene, it's, you know, female lead, young female lead, who uh, may be the kind of character who may not normally be cast as a female lead. So that's good. And Guillermo, well, yeah, just bonkers, crazy towns. Yeah, uh, I think if if you if you capture the data, I will build you the infographic for tears, smiles, um, risk of peeing your pants, laughing. Yeah, uh, like like a prison tear. Yeah, like a prison tear kind of on my face thing for number yeah. of tears. So you capture the data, and I will I will collate it into something fantastic for your listeners because I feel that that's a an interesting emotional roller coaster um, because you will 
the thing that's that's cool that you always manage to do in the space of you know sort of 10 plus days you take in all of the emotions from rage to joy to fear and animosity and everything up and down in between and you feel all of those feelings captured in somewhere around 50 to 60 hours worth of viewing time and I think that that's an interesting way for um, especially listeners who aren't able to access this until players like iTunes have the full listing Um, and for those of you who are in any other country the festival listings in most countries are pretty fantastic but if you can access the TIFF listing um, from historical TIFFs, you can actually get some really fantastic, really awesome movie rankings and things that you would have never chosen to see that certainly don't show up in the top viewed algorithm. So Yeah, but for movies that you're just going to end up weeping uncontrollably, like uh, Lion last year, that one. Oh, like I've been at TIFF movies where people cry. But that was the one where there was the most sounds of just people choking back uncontrollable sobs. And they did that thing. Both Lion and Loving did kind of like the equivalent of a Marvel post-credit sequence, but it gave you more information about the uh, real-life characters the films were based on uh, in the kind of pre-post-credit area that just gave you a real punch in the junk, in the junk feels. So you were already teetering around the edge. You're like, okay, I got through with just some, you know, appropriate sniffles. And then both of those movies gave you some information at that part that just made you curl over, doubled over. Because it's like you lowered your emotional guard. And then, boom, hit you with the feels. So, yeah, yeah. You need to flush that stuff out of your system, though. Yeah. I think that too often we are, I don't know, still thinking tough, only tough kids. Or only whims cry. Yeah, um, whereas it, real, well-rounded humans actually have feelings. It'd be good to know, hey, if your eyelashes need replacing, maybe take them off before this movie. See, the trouble when you say something like that is that I always think of, and I can't remember, you'll, you'll remember, if you have real hair and real fingernails, put your hands in the air. <laughs> I can't remember the song. <laughs> but you know the lyrics. Yes. It's like of those irresponsible songs that comes on, uh, guilty pleasure pop songs. Yes. Where you find yourself... Uh shaking your hand and then realizing that it's just dissecting the terrible war against self that the beauty industry has waged on women. But that's for another time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Exiting a a hardcore blubbering tear jerking movie from TIFF is possibly an exercise in some of the ugliest ways people can possibly look because people tend to go into movies looking quite nice they're depending on if they're the the hardcore serious long-term movie fan who has you know a backpack sensible shoes uh, multiple layers of breathable fabrics maybe something like merino that doesn't get too stinky when the temperature shifts on you in the middle of a, a room um 
and the people who are pretty people just going to see a couple of films trying to be fancy, everybody comes out equal, looking like absolute shit with puffy faces <laughs> after one of those movies. And it's sort of, it feels kind of nice to have everybody coming out back on the same level. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to look like uh, sweet hammered shit at the end of that day. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of up and downs, but that also, it tends to happen in the back half of the festival. You have more uh, movies that are a bit more thoughtful. I tend to have more Jane movies in the back half of the week, things that are more uh, story-driven, and and a few more tears. So, you know, you have the baby wipes. You, you know, try to make sure that you don't have any, like, extra thick, juicy boogers, like, from the sob choking back and then snorting thing that can happen. Uh, so, you know, give yourself a little wipe. Remember, you know, your camera can be not just used to snap pictures of celebrities, but also as the best mirror ever. Selfie mode isn't just for selfies. It's also to make sure that you don't look like a crazy person when you leave a movie. Sure words were never spoken. Yeah. When I finally figured out I could use the selfie mode, because I hardly ever actually take selfies, when I figured out I could use that to check my lipstick and for boogers, it was like, oh, I may have texted you that day. I'm <laughs> it's possible. Um, I have I have used selfie mode since the beginning for lipstick much more than I ever have for photos. Uh, but uh, I don't. I don't know if I've spent a lot of time checking boogers. I think there's probably been some surprise boogers when I was thinking about lipstick that snuck up on me, though. As as they do. That's why they're surprise boogers. Sneaky boogers. Who knew? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I guess I also rank overall day. That does look like my uh, worst day for sneaky boogers. Uh, later on in the week when I see uh, three, abo- three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is another one that's got a lot of buzz and another one with the GOT person in it. Uh, Who's in that? That's a GOT person. I think it's the dink. Let's check the tape. Let's check the tape. Like there's a lot going on though with with that one. I think I I look forward to seeing a couple of these I can't access yet. Um, So I look forward to them being available to me through the magic of the internet because... uh, and I do also look forward to being able to watch them in the privacy of my living room so that when I do look like a tractor trailer ran over me, nobody has to know. Yep, that one has uh, Sir Sir Peter. Sir Peter Dinklage, yeah. Malor. I think he's awesome. Oh my god, yeah. I need to get better words than that. I feel like my vocabulary is limited lately um, for scaling things beyond fantastic what is the love you're also dealing with the transition right like you moved to another country so i already have uh the title for this podcast from something you said earlier uh cue for the loo (laughs) it's it's funny because when i lived in canada and you'll probably think the same thing um i always thought canada was quite quite British. We were quite proud of our Commonwealth status and um, having the queen on our money and our prime minister rather than our um, president and all the pieces that came along with it. And I thought that until 
I started traveling the world and realized how much Canada is not American uh, or is not British, excuse me, um, how much Canada is more aligned to the American public and, and probably TV and cinema are a big factor on that. So much so that we had a conversation here today, um, quite off color. Um, I am mid-deployment, so people are getting quite off color on project right now. And there is a number of, I'm going to call them voyeuristic shagging related terms from the UK that I felt quite, quite baffled by that I had never heard. And people were like, you mean you don't know these things? Oh, please tell me one or or a handful and let's break down uh, what would be happening, position, what have you. Uh, So the one that is probably the least comfortable that I actually, certainly from the audience that I heard it from, the room I was in at the time, the all of the time-space continuum that, that led me to hear this term made me quite uncomfortable, which was seagulling, which is those people watching somebody um, doing what they might do with another person in a car as an audience member watching and then participating joyously and celebrating with flair. Seagulling. Seagulling. So seagulling is the person watching other people doing stuff in another car? Uh, So no, they would just be outside, possibly in a circular group, pleasuring themselves and then celebrating their pleasure with a splatter, possibly on the car. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) If I'm translating that correctly, or possibly... As a, a good Brit might say, they might have also just been taking a piss. And I may be the naive uh, lady who didn't know what to say about that. God, I hope that's a real thing. I don't know, but I all I know is I'm, I was uncomfortable. Um, the combination of the audience, the time-space continuum, the many long hours I've spent in rooms with some of these people. Um, okay, tell me another one. Isn't that enough? <laughs> okay, we'll save it for the next time. But yeah, we'll have like a special segment. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> I'm so, so very sorry. I love it. Yeah, the next time I go by someone's car that looks like it's had a running with a seagull, I'm going to wonder, seagull or seagulling? I'm sorry, you're just about to take a sip of that beer. That was not okay. I should have let you swallow. Phrasing, heard it. Boom. And we're back. And how is that enormous cat of yours? Um, giant. The This is the hardest part of the year because he is very lion-shaped, but he is releasing tufts of fur that float about my house like tumbleweeds. Um, and not in a poetic way, but in a you-look-like-you-are-a-slob way. And... As we know, my control issues don't really allow for me to be a real slob, so I find it very frustrating. But he's beautiful and lovely and has a a good personality, so I'll I'll take it as a win. You know what? I just had a good kind of thousand-year idea for cat owners when they're leaving the house to have something by the front door that they could pull down almost like blinds, but it's just like the giant uh, kind of sticky material that you have on a lint roller. 
and then you could just press yourself up against it and roll yourself around quickly on your way out the house. Well, having been a, a woman who likes to dress all in black with a golden retriever for many years, I mastered the lint roller in every location. So there is a lint roller at my front door. There is one in the door of my car and there is another one in any desk and a miniature one that I carry around in my laptop bag at all times. Cause you never know when an errant piece of fur will just resurface despite having gone through all of the lint rolling possible. So I'm a very um, prophylactic lint roller. You can't be too protected, but that's, uh, that's my approach to it. I was the other day um, in an office environment with a client and I was looking at them and they sort of looked like they rolled around in dog. Um, and I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't think being a pet owner should preclude you from looking like a member of society. I just, sometimes I really struggle to pull like a nice pull quote for a podcast episode title. And you've given me just so much hot fire today. It's so good. I'm still sticking with the cue for the loo, but there's been so many options. Well, I'm looking forward to... Um, the in a tiff tears hashtags with the movie tickets <laughs> to show up on social media. Uh, uh, possibly, possibly there'll be a few of them while you collect the data for what the films did to you so that we can build said infographic, but the, the roller coaster of emotions based on time of day. Uh, and maybe you should also capture drinks had because oh, I, I think that would also be a fun um, piece of a uh, fun data point. I mean, I already have people telling me to smile when I have like a default uh, selfie on Instagram when I'm actually maybe not. Well, it just happened with us a couple minutes ago. I was looking at pictures of boots, but my thinking face, thinking about how awesome these boots were and the apocalyptic tech adventures I would get up to made my face look very concerned. But I was just legitimately considering what I would do in these boots. So I can only imagine if I had my actual crying movie face on my Insta, people would be calling, you know, support hotlines for me and getting me checked in for emergency evaluation. See, I was thinking more shot of the ticket, shot of some tissues in oh. a package. Right. Hashtag tears. Okay. Uh, I was thinking not including your face okay, because there's nothing flattering about a tear face. Now, a joyous, I laughed until I peed face. Now, that one might be really entertaining. Yeah. However, I think the piece of information that the listeners aren't aware of is that your level of concern of the boot shopping came from not the quality of the boots or the adventures that you thought you would get up to, but likely the price point associated with said boots. So while I was reading concern, I was thinking maybe maybe she's reading a, a dark movie summary or maybe she's concerned about hurricanes or small children as my cancer cyclist friends kicked off today. And I've been thinking a lot about the, the cycling adventure to save the small sick children. Who's the primary sponsor for that now? Nobody. Um, so the National Kids Cancer Ride, for those of you listeners in Canada, kicks off um, September 7th in White Rock, BC. And there is a team of 
approximately 40 cyclists that will move across the country, including a chase team that's going to wait a week and then ride 24-7 to get to catch the team in Point Pleasant Park in Halifax. So it's a pretty impressive cause. Um, all of the fundraising goes to the cause. You can find out more at nationalkidscancerride.com. I'll include a link with the, this podcast. Yeah. So the cycling people kicking off and thinking of the cup half full versus cup half empty uh, adventure of the process. Yeah. Yeah. You did that ride. I did. I did the thing. And, and yeah, I think there's a point where I'll probably do the thing again. Do they have that down there? Or, but if you were going to just ride across New Zealand, that wouldn't be as far, would it? No, not nearly as impressive. <laughs> no. New Zealand, end to end, both islands, if you just went the the long part, is uh, around the size of Vancouver Island. All right. Yeah. Not, yeah. not nearly as impressive. Uh, it's around 1,400 kilometers long. Canada is 7,600 kilometers wide. Right. Yeah. Well, just, just a scooch bigger. Just, uh, just a scooch, yeah. Yeah. Um, However, I mean, any cause that's raising for a charity that's worthwhile, I think is good. And I think that people spend a lot of time talking about what charities aren't doing for causes. And I think that the volunteers and the crew and the people who make it all happen, even when some of the choices are bad, I think you got to look at it and say, there's a lot of people giving everything they've got uh, in order to try and make the world a slightly better place. And we should be grateful for them. Well, you know what? I think we should stop there because that's a surprisingly thoughtful and upbeat ending for us. Cup half full. Yeah. I was going to take it back to why I didn't want to do a picture with a wad of tissues after we talked about seagulling. But I think talking about cancer rides better, classier, and I ruined it. Yep. There I, there I did it. Sorry. And that's how we're going to end. So, Aaron, thank you again. I think this is the perfect time uh, for us because I do get this horrible second win that happens after one in the morning my time. I mean, I'm going to, again, look like a bag of hot hammered shit tomorrow. But right now I feel great. Well, and I look forward to uh, the random texts and FaceTimes that I get after the midnight showings because that works out really well for my after hours windows of time. Right. You're so, going to be awake. Yeah. As you're going into your September 11th screenings, um, I am mid-deployment. <gasps> oh. oh. So September 11th into September 12th, my time, I am mid-deployment, so I'm in flight. So I'll be uh, I'll be in a, a possibly uncomfortable place, possibly with tears, possibly looking bad as well. Okay. All right. Well, then I will definitely uh, get, maybe send myself a reminder now to send you a text for the wildly inappropriate comment that I heard about Shape of Water that uh, made somebody else appalled and made me want to see it even more. Uh, we'll do that. Things to look forward to, listeners. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And I'll be having, I think, a post-festival wrap-up with you before end of September when we can book another time. Absolutely. 